Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome everyone watching online. Certainly glad that you're there. Uh, Thank you to our handbell choir. They're going to be doing the handbell concert tonight at 6 o'clock. Always a great time to bring uh, children also. Uh, uh, There'll be a lot of uh, their favorites and a good time to sing some of those popular Christmas songs. Well, we're continuing our sermon series here on Sunday morning called Ugly Christmas Sweaters. Unfortunately, I didn't have any, uh, so uh, I just had to wear the good stuff uh, that was here. Uh, But uh, what we're talking about are ugly things in this world that Jesus and Christmas make beautiful. And uh, today we're going to be talking about ugly prejudices, and we find it in an interesting spot over in Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and it's a genealogy uh, of Jesus, uh, basically his family line. And we're going to see some ugly prejudices that are confronted uh, by the birth of Jesus. Anybody ever done any of those uh, DNA things where you find out your family heritage? Yeah, several people have. I think millions of people across the country have. I think Dawn and I forgot what we did, Ancestry.com, something like that. But we decided to do it a few years ago and uh, found out some interesting stuff. I've been told my entire life uh, that my great-great-grandmother was half Cherokee Indian and uh, Native American. And so, uh, you know, matter of fact, we would uh, look at pictures and would say, oh, you know, we can certainly tell, you know, the heritage and everything as we'd look at all that. And it's something I'd heard my whole life. Uh, I got my uh, DNA packet back, and what I found out was I had zero Native American blood in me. Not not 1% or 2% or 10%, but zero Native American blood in me. As a matter of fact, my family was about as pure blood British as you could have ever gotten. We were 97% British or Scottish. Uh, almost unbelievable. Cara Pendleton married to Franklin, and so, you know, there's, there was no hope for us. But I'd heard that my entire life, and it just turned out not to be the case at all now my sisters sometimes think okay i think you got a bad test result we're going to get it done and find out the truth here because they're still holding out and uh thinking that may be true so we'll have to wait uh for their test results well over matthew chapter one the story of jesus starts in a really unusual way it starts with a genealogy a rather long genealogy i'm just going to read you like six uh sentences of it here It, it goes on for half of the chapter just to give you an idea. Uh, it says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Abinadad, Abinadad, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the, mother, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Woo! Okay, I could have gone on just wanted to give you a little taste of it there thank you and just so you know after all these advanced degrees none of those names are pronounced correctly either but but uh, that's okay you say them confidently not accurately that that's the that's the thing that you need to to know there Uh, but when you get into this you just say okay you know your eyes kind of glaze over and you think wow this Matthew character 
he really knew how to grab an audience from the start and really hold them there, you know, uh, starting off with a, with a genealogy like this. And yet this genealogy is going to be really important. And in just the six sentences I read you, if you were from a Jewish mindset, a Jewish heritage in Jesus' day and age, you would immediately have antenna gone up and you'd have thought, what in the world is being talked about here? So let's look into it and see some of the things that are going on in this genealogy. Now, the first thing we see as we get started is this. On the surface, this genealogy and Christmas in general seems to be a happy, joyous time, but underneath there's something a whole lot deeper. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out just as a genealogy you think would start out. If you're trying to show that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is, uh, is from the, the line that he's supposed to be from, it starts out exactly the way you'd want it to. There's no problems here at all in verse 1 in the first sentence. Uh, but it's some interesting words. In the literal Greek, what it says is that this is the Biblos of the Genesis of Jesus the Christ. Now, that's kind of how it literally starts out. Now, that word biblos just means book, uh, but it's also the word that's used for Bible. So that's kind of interesting that it starts out, okay, this is the, the, the book, the Bible. Uh, that, the next word that's used is the word Genesis, very first book of the Bible. Uh, also, Genesis just means the beginning, the start of, of, of something uh, that is there. But interesting that those are the two words that he uses to start this. It's the biblos of the Genesis of Jesus, and then Jesus in the Greek is called the Christ. Uh, now, Christ means the anointed one. It was a title for the Messiah. So he's saying, okay, this Jesus is the long-awaited anointed one, the long-awaited Messiah. And then in the first sentence, he connects Jesus to two different people. He connects him to David, and he connects him to Abraham. Now, he connects him to David because David was the, the royal line that the great kings come from. So we're told Jesus is a part of that royal line of David. And secondly, he connects him to Abraham, who was the, the founder of the Jewish faith. And so Jesus now, uh, in one sentence, we're told, okay, he, he's, uh, he's the, the Messiah, he's from the royal line, he's a direct descendant of the founder of all of Judaism. So you couldn't have got a better start in verse 1 as you get going but as we see sometimes when you start looking back in your genealogy you find things that stick out that sometimes you didn't expect and sometimes you didn't even want I did kind of a, a quick Google search and I, I found out a couple of interesting stories one a guy by the name of Joel Gottfried uh, did one of the DNA searches he was actually a an Ivy League professor just wanted to find out a little bit more about his background after both his mother and father passed away and what he found out was that he shared no DNA with his father and he couldn't believe it and he began to research and see what was going on he went on a very exhaustive several years uh, uh, search on who his father was and he actually wrote a book uh, that you see here and the book was called who's my daddy you know he's trying to find out who his daddy is uh, that's there all of that from taking a DNA test things about his genealogy he never expected. Anja Tobot had been told her entire life uh, that her great-great-grandfather was a prominent guild leader in the early 1800s in Bruges, Belgium. 
And so she began to, she went to brood, she began to research, wanted to find out all about this legendary great guild leader that she was descended from. And what she found out was that her father was, her great great grandfather was the head of all organized crime in Bruges, and they held it out of a guild that was there, and he was arrested, sentenced to death, and sent to the guillotine. And so uh, not quite uh, what she had expected to find. So on the surface, everything seems good, but there's some things that stick out. And what's interesting in our scripture is that what sticks out are some ugly prejudices that people would have had in that day and age that we still have today and that the genealogy and the birth of Jesus directly comes into contrast with. So let's look over and see. So the next thing we see is this. Jesus' genealogy confronts many of our ugly prejudices. So what are some of the ugly prejudices they confront? There's three that a genealogy confronts here right before us. Now, that's pretty amazing just by listing names, that you can have three big prejudices that are directly confronted in this genealogy. Well, what are they? The first and the most obvious and the one that the others hang on is this. It's a gender prejudice, and gender prejudices are confronted in this in the very fact that five women are prominently mentioned in the genealogy. Now, before we go any further, I guess the question becomes, why would that be controversial at all? It would have been controversial because in that day and age, women would not have been mentioned in a genealogy for any reason. Uh, women were not seen uh, in, in the same class as men. They were basically second-class citizens. It was a male-dominated world. Women were restricted to certain parts of the temple. They called it the temple court. They were not allowed to talk to men openly in public without their husbands present. They were discouraged from working, and they weren't allowed to testify in court because their testimony was not considered accurate enough simply because of their gender. Yet in the genealogy of Jesus, five women are prominently mentioned. They're mentioned in verse 3, a woman by the name of Tamar. Verse 5, Rahab and Ruth. Verse 6, Uriah's wife, which was Bathsheba. And in verse 16, Mary. Mary, her name is actually mentioned twice uh, in verse 16. But we're going to center on the, the first four, Tamar, Ruth, uh, Rahab, and Bathsheba. And we're going to look at them and what it teaches us uh, as we go through it. So this would have been something that would immediately have raised the antenna. What are they doing putting women's names in a genealogy, something that was never done? And we're going to talk about why all this was done later. But one of the things it shows us is that in God's eyes, when it comes to gender, all people are created equal in the eyes of God. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 1, we're told that God created them male and female, uh, and he created them both in his image. And so what we see today as male patriarchy or male dominance was never something that was intended in Scripture. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 3, we're told it's something that comes from the curse, and uh, it's something that Jesus liberates and saves us from. And the book of Revelation uh, says that this kind of uh, uh, thing is something that will be done away with uh, when we finally get to heaven. So now we see the problem in Jesus' age, but the truth is we still have a problem with this in our day and age today. Uh, we have a problem with seeing every person of worth as every person have created in God's image of every person as being equal. We still struggle with this in our own country today. You know, it wasn't until 1920 that women could even vote in the United States of America. 1920 before women could even vote in our country. And we look around uh, at some of the struggles women have today with, with trying to get uh, equal jobs and equal pay and all of that, and we say, well, how far have we really come uh, from what we're seeing in Jesus' day and age? 
In other countries around the world, uh, like in Saudi Arabia, women were just given the right to drive. Uh, in some countries, they're not allowed to, to vote. Uh, their testimony is only considered a half a witness. Uh, honor killings still go on in some countries. It's even happened in the United States. The picture that you see before you uh, right here, this is from Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan still practices what they call bride kidnapping. Uh, where uh, you can go and kidnap a woman and make her be your, your, uh, your spouse. And uh, this was a young college girl trying to get her education. Guy came in from the countryside, kidnapped her. Her parents brought a suit, and it was told, no, this was legal, that she had to marry the person that had kidnapped her. And that's the world that we still live in today. Yet the genealogy of Jesus directly confronts that. It confronts it by saying, look, in a time and age when only male names would have ever been listed for any reason in genealogy, you have the names of five women prominently mentioned because in God's eyes, all people are equal. That brings us to a second ugly prejudice that we find, and it comes from these same women. Uh, these same women that not would have just raised your eyebrows because they were women in the genealogy. But the next thing that is confronted is race and nat national prejudices are confronted. Of the four women in those three verses that are mentioned, two are Canaanite and one's a Moabite. Two are Canaanite and one is a Moabite. So Tamar and Rahab are Canaanites and Ruth is a Moabite. Now let me tell you some of the things the Bible says about Canaanites and Moabites. In Genesis 24, it is forbidden for a Jew to marry a Canaanite. Now here's the thing. It is forbidden to marry a Canaanite. There are two Canaanites in Jesus' genealogy. Would that have raised your, uh, your antenna a little bit if you're reading this genealogy? You'd have said, hmm, that's a little bit odd, isn't it? You know, what are the Canaanites doing in this genealogy there? Then in Deuteronomy 23, it is forbidden for a Moabite to enter the sanctuary of the Lord. And yet a direct bloodline of the Messiah himself is a Moabite woman. And so you begin to look, okay, what's this genealogy of Jesus trying to teach us there why is it even there and kind of going back to the same thing as gender what it is saying to us is that anytime we have a prejudice against people for any reason because of their skin color because of their nation of origin because of their gender that what we are doing is demeaning a child that God has created in his image that Jesus loves and that God loves and we look at all this and we say, okay, right from the start, what we're told is there's something wrong with the way we view people when we do it. And we still struggle with these things today. Uh, over the last couple of years in our country, it's been a stark reminder uh, that we still struggle with racism in this country uh, in a lot of different ways. As a matter of fact, in the lifetime of people that are in this room, uh, it was, it was uh, not legal for a person, if they had darker colored, colored skin, to drink from a water fountain or to go into certain restaurants. In the lifetime of people in this room, in this country, that was some of the laws. And you look around the world again, and you can see over and over again examples of prejudice against people simply because of their skin color. And then you can see the same thing happening because of national origin. Well, if they're not from the right country, if they're, if they're immigrants from a different place, we have, we have a prejudice against them, and we somehow feel like we are superior to them. And what our scripture says is that all people, regardless of race, gender, nationality, are descendants of Adam and Eve. All people are created in God's image, 
In John 3.16, it says that Jesus died for the cosmos, the cosmos. He died for the entire world. And in Revelation 79, listen to what it says. I looked, and this is talking about heaven. And I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. They came from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, and every standing, and they stood before the throne. And so you have this image here of all people of every gender, of every race, of every nation, of every language standing before God and worshiping God. The genealogy of Jesus shows us that God is the God of all people everywhere. And if you hate someone, or if you look down on someone, or if you feel superior to someone simply because their skin color is different than yours, or they come from a different country, or they are a different gender, again, you are demeaning someone made in the very image of God that God loves deeply. And then finally in this genealogy, there is a third ugly prejudice that is confronted and it too comes from these same women and you're trying to say wow you know uh, uh you know i thought it was uh you know uh, uh stark enough that just the gender was mentioned but now we have this this uh national race thing come into effect but the next thing we see is that religious and moral prejudices are confronted religious and moral prejudices are confronted some of these women that are mentioned on the surface are not exactly the kind of people you would want to put in a genealogy tamer for example tricked her father-in-law judah into sleeping with her is that something you'd want to put in your genealogy probably not if you looked at it rahab was a prostitute hey i'm writing a genealogy i'm going to list every prostitute i can find is that something you'd want to put in your genealogy? And Bathsheba? Bathsheba committed adultery with King David against her husband. David then murdered her husband, and she then murdered David. Wow, let's put that in my genealogy as you get in there. So why are all these again in the genealogy? Not something exactly uh, that we would want known or that we would put in there. But the fact of the matter is, it's very simple. None of us deserve God's love and grace. Jesus came because of our sin, not because of our goodness. If we'd all been good people, Jesus would have never come in the first place. The whole cross is about Jesus dying for our sins when we don't deserve it. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes because we've been saved, sometimes because we've changed our life, Sometimes because we feel like we're living a good life and caring for other people, we start feeling like we're superior to other people. We start feeling like we're better than them. And so we look down on other people. And we divide the world into good people and bad people. When the fact of the matter are, we're all just people who were hungry who found food, and now we need to be telling other people who are hungry where they can find the same food we did. Just because we found food and ate it and we're full now doesn't mean we're better than someone who hasn't found that yet. It just means we're blessed. It just means that we've come closer to what the world's all about than other people have. You're not going to lead anybody to God by telling them that the way they're living is wrong and that they're bad people. You're talking about people who don't know God, who've never known God's love, and you expect them to live like you do. Now, what a silly thing is that? Our job is not to feel superior to people or to tell people how bad they are or to point out all their sins. Our job is to love people, and that's what we were supposed to be doing. Sometimes churches 
get a, a justifiably bad rap because all we do is judge people. Uh, sometimes our church gets confused because we're Westport Row Baptist Church with Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas. You know, that, that loony church that's out there protesting everything. Here's a picture of Westboro Baptist Church there. They want you to know that God hates you. They want you to know that, that uh, you're not blessed, you're cursed. They want you to know that you're going to hell. Now you read those things and you think, oh my goodness, if I didn't know God, that would just make me feel all warm and fuzzy and want me to have what they have. You know, isn't that what you would think when you read something like that? And yet what we're told is, look, we're, we're all people who have just been found with grace and love and instead of feeling morally superior to people and righteous and better than thou art, maybe we need to open our eyes a little bit and realize that we were saved and we didn't deserve it and we just need to love and care for other people. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. God blesses those who are faithful regardless of our prejudices. God blesses those who are faithful regardless of our prejudices. Now here's the big question. The big question is this. Okay, all of that said, why are these women even mentioned in the genealogy in the first place? And they're mentioned in the genealogy for a very simple reason. They're mentioned in the genealogy because they were the faithful ones. They were more faithful than the men that they were married to. And because they were faithful, they were mentioned in the genealogy because that's what God cared about. He didn't care about any of these prejudices of, of gender or race or nationality or, or what we considered morals. He was said, are these women faithful or are they not? Tamar showed herself more faithful than Judah uh, in following the law, and so her name was mentioned. Rahab was a prostitute, but she believed in God when the Israelites came through and she hid the spies and basically uh, helped turn Jericho uh, over to the Israelites. Uh, Ruth was a Moabite, but she showed great faith, great love, and great, uh, great uh, filthy to her mother-in-law, and because of that, her name was mentioned. And yes, Bathsheba did about everything wrong you could do at the start and messed up over and over again, but she loved and raised her son Solomon under God, and that's why God put her name in. Why was Mary chosen? Because she was faithful. You see, you look at this, and it comes down to a simple thing. God cares about people who are faithful. He looks at our heart. He doesn't look at the prejudices that we have. We care about things that separate people. God is trying to bring people together. We judge people, but our job isn't to judge anybody. Our job is just to be faithful. Our job is to love other people. You see, judging people is way above your pay grade. If you can judge another person and think you're better than them or that you can condemn them, my goodness, that's only something God can do. Your job is not to judge anybody. Your job is to love everybody and point them to God. Your job is to show people who are hurting and people who are in need that you know a God that loves them and cares for them. And then you leave that up to God as he begins to work in their life and transform their lives. But we always go back to the prejudice. But who am I supposed to love? How am I supposed to love them? And the simple fact of the matter is there's, there's no limit on that. There's no say of, I'm not supposed to love this person because they're different or believe different than me or act different than me, or I wasn't supposed to love them because they're not even a good person. Our job is to love everybody. I found this meme the other day that I thought uh, showed it very, very well. Uh, 
It basically says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples when you love one another. But then we ask all of our questions. But what if they're gay? What if they're a different religion? What if they have less money than I do? What if they come of a different skin color? What if they're born in a different country? What if they voted for somebody I didn't vote for? And we throw up all of our prejudices. And what Jesus would say is, I didn't put any stipulations on that. I just told you to go love people. That's our job, is to go love people. Anything else is way above our pay grade. You see, you don't draw people to Christ by loudly pointing out what bad people they are. And you don't draw people to Christ by making fun of what they believe in when it's different than you. And you don't draw people to Christ by acting like you're better than they are and superior to them. You draw people to Christ by showing them a love that is so different that they want to know what you have because they want it too. And that's what we need to be doing. Our scripture confronts some ugly prejudices. It's true. But the truth of the matter is, the genealogy of Jesus says this, God overcomes all of these things. And so the ugly prejudices that we have in this world are done away with in the beauty of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us when we didn't deserve it. Help us, Lord, to just give that same love to other people. Not judging or looking down on anyone, Lord, but just coming at them with the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come to this time we call the invitation, and I guess the first thing I would ask for you to do is for you to look at your life and to honestly ask yourself, what are some of the ugly prejudices that I'm holding right now? And to confront those directly and just say, Lord, I know that if I'm looking down on someone for whatever reason that you may have, I know that that's wrong. Forgive me and help me to begin to see people the way that you see them. Second thing I would say is for you to say, okay, well, maybe uh, you look around and you say, I'm doing the best I can to confront some of these prejudices. Maybe the next thing you need to do is, how can I love people? What can I do this week to show love and care for another person? But as we sing this song, you look at your life and you respond as God. Lives. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.